Hi, I'm Eddie. I run a comic shop and publish my own comic strip. And I'm Roger, and I run a comic shop and my very own Comic-Con. And I'm Joe, a lifelong fan who does all the real work to make our show go. Every week, we'll discuss the newest insider info that you won't get from your favorite comics and talk to some of our favorite creators and publishers. So come take a peek behind the counter with Tales from the Comic Shop, part of the Geek Nerd Network. Weekly on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode, technically the anti-penultimate episode of the first season of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye and our ongoing series on James Bond, which we have uh, occasionally called for your ears only or on her majesty's secret podcast uh it's time for specter this week we're gonna talk about specter and then and then we'll you know that's the the last bond movie that's been released in theaters uh thanks donald trump um, because otherwise we would have had we would have had no time to die a year ago, right about now, uh, uh, which was kind of the genesis of this podcast, which is funny to think about. We're like, oh, it's a new Bond movie. It'll be fun to do a retrospective of all the Bond movies. <laughs> Taking us a year, yeah. So here we are, but we're we're finally around to it. Uh, I'm I'm your host, Andy Wilson. Go read my stuff at. Bleeding Cool and Graphic Policy, um, uh, a, a somewhat smaller crew. crew. Uh, we're we're missing our we're missing our regular girls this week, um, but we do have Mark DeLeon. Hey, Woo! go read my stuff on Facebook yeah. that I post every once in a while. I was gonna say, Andy, is your uh, what's your is your article done? What's your new post this week? Oh, I yeah, no, I just I just did a. I just did a post about this week's Batwoman about um, oh, Batwoman you're and watching that? the police. Yeah. Oh, it's dude. a good show. No it's, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a specter of the former Batwoman. It's not even a specter. It's like the GoBot version of superhero shows. What? GoBot? No, no, no. Like, <laughs> and I'm being generous. The new Batwoman is way better than Ruby Rose was. I'm sorry. I'm they're both so bad. here for it. That's it. They're both bad. You can you can you can say that. I <laughs> with one hundred percent certainty you can say that. Okay. It's a bad I like, show. I like the Batwoman. I like the Supergirl. Um I'm excited Supergirl's coming back I, this week. I love the Batwoman uh, comic series. It's the great written great. The the the, the uh, graphics are great. I, I I have about four years worth that I collected. The show is just horrible and it pisses me off. Because the comics are great. It just doesn't translate. I will give you that they're not as good as the comics. Not anywhere near. That being said, I'm grading on a curve of like CW superhero shows here. And I'm like, it's a gigantic eh. curve. But I think this is a, a this is a really good transition, though, because Andy and I watched this. And Mark, we looped you in a little bit last night. Spectre, much better as a concept of what it could have been 
and in this case, better in hindsight than I'm, it was coming off of watching Skyfall. So I'm going to pick a bone with you, jerks, because I, I liked that, it better the second time around. Well, yeah, we well, all did. We, fourth, I liked, time around. That's, that's yeah. what we said, too. And I think yeah. that's that's the thing is we were comparing it to the source material. And, and Andy, I did go look it up. And in the, the previous stuff, they were saying the filmmakers considered but rejected a two-film story arc involving Blofeld. Should have been. And this is exactly, Mark, what what we were, what the problematic that we have, and we'll talk about it more, is the source material is Skyfall into this classic two-story Blofeld, you know, bring out the Blofeld, then bring out the systematic flaw with, um, oh, hot, what's his name? Andy hot, hot priest, hot priest. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Andrew, Scott. Andrew Scott. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think you reference that with a lot of the media, like Batwoman. your comic is fantastic. Your show can't meet up with it. And I think, I think Andy, to your point, that's what I see a lot of the CW. They try their best. And, and sometimes I don't even think they're trying anymore. <laughs> I really don't, you know, like the flash started off pretty damn good. A second season. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see some problems. Third season, I was like, okay, I'm out. I just can't do this anymore. I had the same I, thing I, with I Arrow. I couldn't watch Arrow after. Arrow went downhill after what yeah. the fourth season. It just oh my it got gosh. really it stupid. got unwatchable. Yeah, it, it was really quick. bad. <laughs> it got so stupid. Yeah. I, I can't anyway, say but how how are we going to be here right now talking, ignoring the fact that Lucasfilm and Disney dropped the actor list for the Obi Wan Kenobi show, and it's bonkers, y'all. Like, how are we not going to talk about that, J J B? I mean, okay. I think oh, we want to take a bird walk because uh, that's like totally out of left field. I, I, know, I, I, just, I just have to. I just have I to because like it's, it's more fun to talk about than Spectre. Like, because, uh, no, no, I mean, Spectre is awesome and we're going to talk about it. But like, oh, I got my nipples all tight and white. Was it uh, because, Joel Edgerton? Is, oh, Joel, that, is Joel that what Edgerton, made you hard? Well, <laughs> Joel, Joel Edgerton and, 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 and Bonnie P.S. because I actually met her uh, in Indianapolis. Oh, nice. She's cool. But uh, Kumal Nanjiani is there? Yeah. Come on. Is this Indira, gonna, Indira Varma. Is this going to be pumped up? Is he pumped up or is he normal? Like, who? Which one are we getting? Which one? What are we talking about? Kamal? Yeah. Well, I oh, hope he's pumped. I think, he's, I think he's pumped permanently now. Yeah, yeah, is, he, is he perma-jack now? Because he has I to guess. Be. Yeah, because they're going to... I mean, un, unless the Eternals is a Completely huge bombs, bomb. Yeah. Now, wasn't they're they're going to want him to be around for the next crossover. He was, was he in the movie with Bautista... Um, where he was the taxi driver. Yes. Duber. Yes. Now, I didn't so like now, it. So here's the problem. If they remade that again, it would be like a WWE tag team movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> So maybe we should go back. The dude is ripped now, man. Yeah, like, he's Jesus. Yoked. He's yoked. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, me. Yeah. Pretty good. Looks like uh, and But Mark, I know, I know who you really care about being in that cast. You and McGregor? And Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hayden Christensen. Yep. You're super happy about I that. I am. I'm happy about the entire cast list they released. I'm just, I'm over the moon, man. It would have been a really good Hollywood Squares episode, the way they. It's laid out like a Hollywood Squares. It is. It's hilarious. It's cool. It's like, yeah, I'll take you and McGregor for the corner square, please. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, okay. I did, I did my part talking about Obi Wan. Let's no, proceed. Let's proceed with our regular very excited about. It. Okay, I am okay. So, excited. Mark, you you do like this movie, I like, and it a lot. so I want you to take the floor first and tell us 
like give everyone who maybe hasn't seen it or who just watched it do like the quick overview and then the why you liked it. Why do you yeah. think this works? Yeah. So uh, this is uh, the reason I really like this movie is that uh, it continues the sequence of action and narrative from Skyfall. Um, I mean, first of all, like the opening, the opening sequence is just so awesome. And we'll talk about that because I believe it was a one one shot, right? The, the first at least 10 minutes. It was just one take, if, if, if I remember yeah. that correctly, yeah. which, which is super impressive. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. But the cool part is that the narrative just flows from Skyfall to this. There's a reason why James Bond is doing what he's doing, looking for who he's looking for. And it turns out it's because uh, when Am died, an email was triggered to James Bond where she basically says, there's this Italian dude, a brother of mine. There's this Italian dude that you need to find. You need to kill him. And when you kill him, don't miss the funeral. Um, and th that sets up for what's going to happen. So James Bond is chasing this connection. Um, he he kills the guy that M is asking him to kill, but now he needs to find out why, what's going on, what's the connection. And we find out that there is this sinister organization that's been pulling all sorts of strings. In particular, everything that James Bond has gone through, every, uh, every piece of trauma that he's gone through has been because of... The architect behind all that is this dude who's later on revealed to be Blofeld. But the origins of Blofeld are very different from the Blofeld we knew of before. Uh, this Blofeld was actually somebody who has a direct connection with James Bond. They kind of grew up together. And um, it turns out that this dude who's not, Blofeld is his mother's maiden name. So he, he took up his mother's maiden name. But uh, Blofeld's father, took in James Bond and gave him like all this attention uh, uh, when his parents died. And I guess Blofeld didn't take too kindly to it. And that's when everything started. Blofeld killed his own father to sever that connection with James Bond. And then as they grew up, every other thing that happened to James Bond was because Blofeld manipulated things to happen. Uh, and he talks about Vesper Lind. He talks about the death of M, uh, him sending out uh, Silva. To, to do all that. Um, and I just think that it, it kind of, it world builds very well. What we were missing in Solace, like that that world building and, you know, we wanted a villain that was really powerful and pulling all the strings that we didn't really see in Quantum of Solace. We got that here. And not only that, we have a direct connection to Mr. White, finally. Like if Bond finally catches up to Mr. White and everything's kind of explained about why Mr. White was so important and you even get to have a little bit of sympathy for Mr. White, which is what I liked about uh, this movie. Mr. White is, it's not black and white. He's just evil for being evil. Of course, he did evil things. Um, but later on, it's explained why he kept doing what he was doing, even though he started to have second thoughts about what he was doing. Uh, when that organization started uh, dealing with uh, the trafficking of women and children and all that stuff. There's a reason why he kept doing what he was doing. And once again, that leads directly to James Bond. So if you're looking for a movie that further explains uh, or an insight into James Bond's motives, this is going to be the movie for you. And here's the problem. Mark described 100 minutes of a movie, but left out 45 minutes of the rest of the movie that was complete and utter crap. Right. right. Okay. And I'm ready for this. Is, and this Jesus is the Christ. problem with this movie. 
this movie and Andy and I talked about this. This needs to be two movies, right? Because yes. to Mark's point, the Blofeld part is incredible. And I wanted Spectre to spend the time on the Blofeld connection. There was not yes. enough of the father. There was not enough of the brother stuff. There was not mm -hmm. enough of the Mr. White and, the, and, and Dr. Swan. There was not enough of that because they had to throw in all of this stuff about, ooh, world domination through intelligence networks and da, 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 da. Now, that's not a bad thing, right? But in context, to Mark's point, it diluted what I really liked about Spectre, which was the Blofeld theme, right? And I think what I would have really liked is you set up the Blofeld the way you did in this movie, to Mark's point, the part I liked, right? The hour and 45 minutes of this movie that I really liked. Then you stop the movie, you get Blofeld get away, and then you set up the systematic, how do we get rid of Hot Priest? How do we then tie that back into getting Blofeld? Spectre 2, whatever you'd want to call it. And you have a more cohesive story. Because I think, Mark, you hit on what Andy and I liked about this movie, which was that part was so intriguing, but the rest of it had, I, I think, no emotional tie-in. Like, there was no emotional connection to that whole, oh, C's going to take over Q and M. And, I, you know what I mean? I can see that. So I, th I think you're right. I think you liked the part of Spectre and, and I'm really glad you, you introduced the movie the way you did because that was the, the takeaway I had of the movie of the part I didn't fast forward when I watched it again. Because any you know anytime Hot Priest was on, as great as his character is, it's just, not, it's just in the way. To and me. and what's so funny is like, that's actually the part of the movie that like triggers my brain like that's the one that like <laughs> yeah. I, i'm like oh i want i want more of that the like the mass surveillance state right. versus the the man with the gun and like let's deconstruct bond anymore and have this interrogation of right. is is he really necessary in our world is he is he still a hero but but it's also just so completely untethered to the rest of the movie and you know i think yeah, this should have been two movies. I think there should have been um, seeding Blofeld and Spectre, and Monica Bellucci is in everything. Is she in this have, movie? She should have been. And in she <laughs> she was in. Yeah, she is the one person in the entire movie, and they're tracking down Spectre, and and then there's all this political stuff going on with with m and c and then at the end they figure out like oh yeah we can't we can't trust all this high tech stuff we've got to go back to basics uh because um because that's what the big guys game has always been and then you have the second movie that culminates in you know the the showdown with uh with blofeld and 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 not not the stuff on the bridge like find it another way like the, no you can't I, shoot down a helicopter with the I, gun i'll give you that I, okay so one of man one of the things i remember about miami vice is how it ended oh yeah and it's don johnson shooting down an airplane with a gun from the ground and <laughs> I, how old was i i was like maybe about 12 years old and i remember thinking that's the stupidest shit ever. Oh, like, yeah. I'm a stupid little kid, and even I know you can't shoot down an airplane with like a well, a 30 caliber or whatever pistol. caliber yeah. pistol. Like, you can't do that. So I'll give you that all day. Uh, the ending seems like they kind of rushed it a little. They really wanted to 
to uh, have that showdown between Bond and Blofeld, and they just mm-hmm. they they weren't too convinced on how to end it. That's the way I see right. it. But I think y'all are gonna get what you want in the sequel. I think there's gonna be further explanation on right. Spectre and on uh, uh, Madeline Swan and, and all that. We're gonna get that. Um, and, and but I totally I totally understand where you guys are coming from because that's one of the things that bugged me about Solace. We already spoke about that 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 we didn't have that connection. It was a missed opportunity. There was a lot of fluff in that movie. You could have brought a lot of that in there, but I think it was it was just enough in this movie to keep you going, waiting for the next movie. Yeah, and and I think and and you know Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I feel like this does a disservice to how Sam Mendes makes films. In, oh, I in, completely agree. And, and because if you give Sam the Blofeld family movie, right? Or, or maybe both. But if you especially give him the character-driven, you know, long shot, like you said, Mark, the long shot, the, the lighting, awesome. the Thomas Newman soundtrack is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The score in this is great. If you give him that one and he builds the American Beauty 1917 kind of vibe with that part of the movie, it is. It's Skyfall 2. And then you can either do a, another Mendes film or, or give it to a different director to do the government espionage kind of thing. But, but I do, I, and, and we were talking about that as we were watching it, there's so much Mendes in it, but then there's so much, it's almost like the studio pulled it out and said, no, we want this very stereotypical bridge ending, those kinds of things. <laughs> I did. I feel yeah. like it was a disservice because there were so many parts that were that Mendes touch. And then, eh, you know, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but, um, According to everything I read, Mendes didn't want to make this film. I think it was Danny Boyle that was supposed to take it on. And yeah. then yep. something went down to where he was like, I'm not doing this. And I guess they backed up a brink truck to Sam Mendes' mm-hmm. house. Or maybe the right. divorce of Kate Winslet really cost him. Yeah. But, oh, like, wow. I, but I know that there was a hesitation for him to take on the project. And I think part of the hesitation was that Skyfall is a perfect movie. Like even right. taking James Bond out of the out of the picture, like it's just a great, great movie. Everything mm-hmm. about it is just great. And I think somebody like him is probably thinking, I, I can't do a proper follow up to something that good. A lot of people will want to do a sequel to, to make the story or their work better to justify, you know, the, the first movie they made. But I don't think Sam felt that way. I think he probably felt like I delivered a kick-ass movie i don't i don't think i can build on that so i think that's why he hesitated but he took the job and i think he did really really good like i said i agree with y'all the ending was just mm, all right and that could that could have been better that's probably going to be a studio note yeah i well i i think that's the and this is i think a problem that begins to creep into modern filmmaking at exactly this point in like 2014 to 2016 and this is this is probably going to get me some grief but i'm going to call it uh i i'm i'm gonna blame it a little bit on the mcu sorry i love the mcu films but every other studio at this point is looking at the success of the marvel cinematic universe and saying we need to do that. We need to do that. Yeah. And they indulge in some of the worst practices and inclinations. And so they have all of these films where they're, they're, they're raring to get their gun off because they want to have that, that 
big moment and they're going to do it and they're going to do it all in one movie and that's going to keep it going. But the, the beauty of the MCU was actually being able to build piece upon piece and, and having a slower burn across like seven or eight movies. And, and it's like everybody wanted to be the MCU, but no one wanted to take the time and effort to do it and give themselves the runway to do it. And this movie to me is that. They wanted Blofeld so bad and they wanted him to have the scar and they wanted it to be just so. This this movie gets really cute in a lot of places with like, oh look, this scene is supposed to be just like that scene in From Russia With Love. And this scene is just like and we're going to use you know, all the same places that we did in Living Daylights, right? We're going to go to yeah. Morocco. And we're going to go to Morocco. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so it's just, you know, uh, we, we've got to, yeah, let's, this is the On Her Majesty's Secret Service thing, the, the mountaintop uh, resort. And, you know, it just, it, it, it didn't need to be cute. Where this movie works, Mark, you, you brought up the, the opening minute the opening five minute tracking shot, which is brilliant. Yeah, it is brilliant. masterful. Here's my question. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it is so extra that shot. It's, it's bond walking through the street. We don't know why he goes up to a hotel room. We don't know why. And then he's walking along the rooftop. We still don't know why. And during that entire scene, we know like, okay, there's a bad guy he's after, but <laughs> we have no idea what the stakes are. We have right. no idea right. about the backstory. And it's like, oh, they're saving that. And I just, I think that's poor storytelling. No, and it's, I disagree. And it's, I disagree. I think it's the, the whole point of having like a cool long tracking shot like that where you don't cut is it's to build tension and i don't know what we're building tension for in the first five minutes except for the dead i was not tense no no but that's the point though that's the point you are supposed Mm -hmm. to feel the confusion and feels when he asks bond what the hell is all this about i'm gonna give you one more chance like what was this about and he was like well i was out on vacation you know, but that that's the point. Like it brings you into the action. You're seeing what James Bond is seeing. You're experiencing it, but you don't know exactly why. And that's the question M has on the next scene when he sees James Bond. Why? And it's slowly revealed. It's supposed. I mean, you said it yourself. It's a slow burn. Like it, like the MCU slow burn. It, it's you know something happened. You know there's a connection. But it's not going to be given to you. It's going to be slowly unraveled. And it does throughout this movie. You finally get it. When I mean, we because we're so we're such nerds and you know, the, the, the fandom has really done a disservice to itself because the minute we have a list of actors that are going to come out of the movie, we start speculating like I just did about Obi-Wan. Right. Mm-hmm. But we did it to ourselves because we knew we knew who Crystal Falls was going to be, who, who he right. was going to be. We ruined that for ourselves. But the normal everyday person who doesn't do the nerd thing that we do, they're they're in they're in this with the que- with that why question why 
what's going on. And it's slowly being revealed. And then it hits them. This dude's Blofeld. And I saw that with my dad because I actually took my dad to see this movie in the theater because my dad's a gigantic James Bond fan. Mm-hmm. And I and he was sitting next to me. And my brother, uh, my brother and I took him. So it was my brother and I and my dad. And he was sitting uh, between my brother and I. And when it was revealed, when he said his name, uh, Ernst Blofeld, my dad was like, "Oh, that, that's what he said." Oh, I mean, he's not going to be one of those nerds who's checking, you know, the actors list all the time. He, right. he didn't know what was going to happen. So for him, it worked. For us, wow. we're like, oh, we already know it's Blofeld. Come on, give it to us, show it to us, just do it now. But for the normal everyday person, this was very well done. Well, do you remember the marketing for this movie, though? And there was this long thing where, like, for months and months and months, they're like, yeah, Christoph Waltz is in this movie, but his name is Hans Oberhauser. Yeah. That's and everybody's I- like, come on <laughs> it was it was the same thing with because they tried to do the same thing with benedict cumberbatch, benedict cumberbatch. in oh, the second in the horrible. second star trek movie and it's just like God, they really screwed that one up right yeah, well, was, well, but here's here's the thing though and mark i see where you're coming from but at the same time if you're going to set up the tracking shot don't have 15 minutes of a turd sandwich helicopter scene <laughs> make no sense. but see and that's and to your point that's what the movie does wrong is it if it's going to set up tension in a slow burn, it seems like every time it does that, it screws it up with some hokey, like you said, Andy, some MCU action level scene instead of like do the slow burn, crash the building, land on the couch, chase him through the street and then do something bond like where it ends. Right. The, the whole go, the, it was just too much. It's like you said, Andy, it's extra. That helicopter scene could have been 10 minutes shorter Right. And then getting them to the train thing. Like, yeah, well, I mean, did, did Bautista need to fight you for 25 minutes to make. Yes, because it was awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wasn't, I mean, it was OK. There's there's better train scenes. But again, it's just it doesn't make sense in the context. Like, I want to see the movie that you thought this movie was because there were 45 minutes where this movie isn't that. Much. I think it did make sense, though, because there had to have been chaos and mayhem because. James Bond represents the old way of doing things, right? You know, and you still need the old ways. I don't care how high tech and advanced we get. We're still going to need boots on the ground. We're still going to need people who actually physically do things. It's just the way it's always going to be done. Uh, And that's what this movie was trying to show. Like that's, that's the battle at the government level. You know, should we go, just go all digital and, you know, uh, move all clandestine operations to the digital world and forget the physical activity stuff because look at what this dude did. He ruined Mexico. He, he had a helicopter. He almost killed a gazillion people. That's, that's the old school way of doing things that we should do away with this. That was the fight that was going on. Meanwhile, James Bond was trying to figure out who the hell Spectre was. So to me, it worked well. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, again, like that's, that's a movie I'm really cerebrally interested in. If it's just Hot Priest and M, like, being snippy with each other, then I, like, at, at some level I could watch that for days. But it, it just also doesn't feel really well melded with the rest of this. And I think there were ways to potentially do that. I think, I think this film just got so big because this film had a $300 million budget. This is the biggest that a Bond movie has ever had. 
Skyfall had 200 million. Oh, wow. This had three. Um, and so they said, well, what are a bunch of things that we could do that, you know, justify this, you know, justify this gigantic budget? Well, we're going to do this five minute long tracking shot that's incredibly mm -hmm. complicated with thousands of extras and music and dancing and parades and et cetera, et cetera. We're going to film the largest explosion ever captured on film. That's actually, they set a world record when they blew right. up um, Blofeld Central. Desert Lair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it was the largest at the time uh, explosion ever caught on, on film. Right. Um, all hugely expensive. They, they went to four out of the five continents and, um, you know, it, just because they could. And I don't think anybody ever stopped to ask, like, is what does this really do here other than like, oh, it would be really cool if. Yeah. And I don't and I don't want, you know, Andy, we, and we talked about this yesterday. I don't think this is taking away from the fact that we enjoyed watching the movie again. Right. It's like, you talk, yeah, no, it's not a bad movie at all. We like mm. the movie. It's just you're comparing it. You're it's it's a spiritual sequel to Skyfall, right? It's a direct it, sequel. It, but it's weird that it strayed from the path of what made Skyfall successful. And I think that's what kept getting in the back of my mind is to Andy. To your point, Skyfall wouldn't have necessarily done that, right? Skyfall would have stayed to the heart of what this movie is supposed to be about, which is, you know, Blofeld Part A hot priest part B, that kind of thing. So I think, I think Mark, your point is valid in, I think the ideas work. I just wish they would have figured out which part they really should have done or something along those lines. Cause it didn't, I mean, why is this movie two and a half hours? That's what I kept thinking going. <laughs> I mean, this could have been a really punchy two, you know, two minute hour and 45 minute movies with a ton of extra stuff with lots of that answer. I, I just don't know. But yeah, Mark, I don't want you to think that we didn't like the movie because we did. I it, Again, it, these Daniel Craig movies are a whole nother level of great yeah, filmmaking. Right. Um, and, and to nitpick on, on Spectre is really to go, did you need to do it in the context of what we wanted you to do? And to your point, take those 30 minutes out, put them in no time to die, and let's really see what's going to happen. I, you know, I hope it's not too retroactive of, you know, our bad on Spectre. Let's go back and... No, no. I, I think what's going right. to happen is we're going to get a five-hour uh, Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the worst inclinations of studios, and yeah. No, but I will say uh, I will remind about. you that Skyfall did blow up an entire freaking castle, so there was that. No, he did. Uh, yeah. And, and one of the lessons we're learning, learning, one of the lessons we're learning here with James Bond is that if you're a villain, never build your lair in a desert, because apparently, right, everything blows up. <laughs> <laughs> and don't don't use natural gas because <laughs> everybody yeah blows up. <laughs> that no, was absolutely. ridiculous, man. I remember yeah. even uh, even at the theater, I was like, really? Like, how the hell did this? Why did it blow up? I mean, the only thing I could think of is that there's some kind of emergency protocol that you know the site's been breached to blow everything up. Well, he that shot that doesn't... one. He shot that one spigot. Remember. <laughs> And that's what I thought was so funny because he shoots the one spigot on the pipe and then all of a sudden 300,000 acres of 
natural yeah, gas it, blow it up. And I went, sense. Uh, stay away from that spigot. There should have been like arrows or something. There should have been like 20 guys around that yeah, one like, spigot. Don't hit the spigot. <laughs> It was a small thermal exhaust port right it's, below it's the like galen door. urso was the architect behind he's like i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna leave uh, one spot <laughs> uh, my bad that's the thorium port i didn't know that we had that there still but you know i mean overall i mean there are some things in this movie that you know are they irked me the, the desert scene was one of them and how the movie ended i, I mean i don't mind that blofeld was caught i'm cool with that it's just the way it all ended the whole bridge scene, like Andy said, it, it does bother me. I, I'd love to have changes there. But overall, like, I mean, there's such so much great things. Monica Bellucci was only there for about, what, like seven minutes? Yeah. Uh, I mean, she deserved to be more. But I'm kind of excited to see if they bring her back. Uh, they name dropped Felix Leiter. James Bond mm -hmm. did. So I'd love to see Monica Bellucci playing the united states and mi6 uh, i'd love to see that happen and i hope she does come back uh and then i'm just so intrigued with madeline swan's character and like what's going to happen with her um what other secrets does she have and how is that going to bring james bond back into the fold because you know she's going to be the focus of what brings him back um and yeah. the other thing is uh the aston martin came back after being blown yeah, up in skyfall that, that was really cool i really liked the way that it did that was nice. There were there were little bits and pieces here of this movie that I really, really, really like. And that's what makes it so hard is because beneath this like bloated mess, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. And I'm like you, Mark. I, I worry that I'm pinning too many hopes on No Time to Die, that it's going to sufficiently like retcon everything to the point where Suddenly I'm like, yeah, okay, Spectre's all right because, because they fixed this. Ultimately, I think a movie needs to be able to stand alone even without like getting stuff figured out in, in the sequel, especially if your movie's going to be two and a half hours long anyway and have a $300 million budget. Um, I hear you. I, I hear you. But James Bond movies are made for the fans. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's like we're reading a, a series of books and like we know we're not gonna get everything explained. There's an end at some point, but they're not gonna paint everything for us. I mean just I don't, just I don't ask just ask the fans uh, just ask the fans of uh the Song of Fire and Ice. Like we have no idea what the hell's gonna happen. I don't know a lot of James Bond fans who like two and a half hour movies. I, uh, I yeah. do. I'm well, I mean, then. I mean everybody like Moonraker crap for that very oh, same geez. reason. Everybody hates <laughs> nobody I mean, loves every, Everybody likes two and a half hour movies if they're Casino Royale and Skyfall. Yeah. But the, you know, making it for the fans though, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think these movies are made for fans, but they're also made for mass appeal, and especially in the Craig era, this is no know. longer a niche thing. They're like we. These are sufficiently big blockbusters that they want to, you know, this is a tentpole franchise yeah. where they're like going to put massive amounts of money behind promoting this because they because they think it'll make a billion dollars. I hear you, but there's callbacks to the original films for a reason. Oh, sure. I mean, sure. It, it is a bit of fan service for better or for worse. That is fan service. Oh, and yeah. No. I well, they, I mean, I think they have it in mind. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but that's like, I mean, 
I think that the same thing is true of the MCU. I don't think those are made for the fans. I think they're made algorithmically to appeal to the broadest section cross section of people possible. And uh, that's both to their strength and their detriment. There's tons of Easter eggs in there for fans because that's what they want you to do. They want you to feel like you're joining a cult. You're joining a, a family and here are all of our in jokes and look at all this cool stuff that's layered in there. If you're in on the secrets. So why don't you go buy some comic books and subscribe to our streaming service and mm-hmm. buy our merchandise and on and on and on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it's like, yeah, you know, they're there to uh, to please a certain part of the fan base. But the core James Bond fan base at this point, I think, is aging enough that they're like, if we don't um, start appealing to a broader audience, like those people are going to be dead (laughs) or they're only going to be paying uh, senior discount (laughs) tickets to like get in to see the movie. We want, we want something that like teenagers will go see that, you know, people in their twenties and thirties will go see too. So I think, I think they're they're trying to reach everybody and they they can't just do that. So Well you you even see that in their their potential selections of the next James Bond, right? Yeah. The demographic of the yeah. newer and newer bonds that they're selecting trend younger and younger. I mean, the Idris Elba goes away and the, the Michael B. Jordan is replaced, right? The mm-hmm. um you know, some of the older characters and, you know, now Harry Styles. Oh, for God's sakes, you know, (laughs) it's, it it is the, the Tom Hiddleston's are replaced by, you know, younger and younger British actors. And I think you're to your point, Andy, it's because they're, that's going to be the new base that's going to be. And Mark, probably to your point, are we going to be the boots on the ground, James Bond from here on out, or are we going to be a, a technologically savvy, new generation of bond that's these are all interesting conversations and andy i wonder if the foreshadowing will happen in no time to die will they stay with a skyfall vibe or will they go to a you know james bond far from home kind of vibe right like a a younger tom holland feel Uh, that's what i'm interested in yeah so I, i mean i don't know whether whether the james bond franchise that's the that's the real question. I mean, this seems to set it pretty squarely in the like we're going to keep you know things pretty close to our own mythos, but at the same time it's like, well, we did that and that's all buttoned up and yeah. you know, there's no more it's like Blofeld's in jail and that's that's the end of that tune. But he, speaking nah. of that, but even even the theme song change from Mopey Man you know, to to no no time to die, which is getting again a younger everything about it. It's a younger vibe. It's a younger, um, mopier vibe. I mean, still. Well, <laughs> I mean, Sarah less falsetto, was pretty young. Yeah. Oh, the falsetto absolutely kills me. Uh, Can, I wanted that octopus to strangle me. I'm like, stop letting him sing, please. You know that that is the number one, like most. Uh, 
commercially successful James Bond theme is really this Sam Smith. Yeah. Really? It over over Adele? I thought Adele was. I'm pretty sure. Like I I thought it had like no. it, well maybe maybe this was only in Britain. Let me look this up. Yeah. Because um I'm but convinced yeah. Americans don't even know who Sam I Smith is. I don't want to believe you. No one really cares. Yeah. <laughs> Enough with the falsetto of your name is not Barry Gibb. <laughs> I would watch the Barry Gibb show if I would. Uh, like Sam that. Smith was on it. <laughs> the politics. Talk about critical medallions. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse okay, to believe that he he went up to Dell. I'm, I'm looking this up. Um, I think part of it was that the way that the charts were changing at the time. Oh, here it is. The, the single be- was the first Bond movie theme to reach number one on the UK singles chart. Oh, who cares about um, the UK? Well... <laughs> America's what matters. America's what matters, Andy. For James Bond, a British secret agent? We're the center of the world, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, um, but it it did win. um, It did win the Academy Award, just like Skyfall, which is weird. Um, So. But but it was based. I mean, that's basically a newer category, right? I mean, come on. Eminem won that, too. Well, but Lose Yourself is a pretty dang good song. Right, it's, I and, mean, and talk about tying I, into the movie perfectly. That's that's what the category is supposed to be based around, I thought, which is applicability to the movie, which, right. you know, Skyfall and Lose Yourself are both excellent examples of that. I don't know what the hell he's talking about in this song because can't understand him. He's talking about a writing not, on the wall. I mean, only my dog can understand the pitch that he's singing. Okay, here here were the other. I think this might be the winner, though, because here were the other people who were nominated. Till it happens to you from the hunting ground. Wow. Music and lyrics by Lady Gaga and Diane Warren. The hunting ground. The documentary about the epidemic of rape on college campuses. Oh Jesus! So. Uh, yeah. Um, simple song number three from Youth, music and lyrics by David Lang. Manta Ray from Racing Extinction, <laughs> music by J. Ralph, lyrics by Anoni. Earned It from Fifty Shades of Grey, music and <laughs> lyrics by uh, Ahmad Balshiz. I don't know. I don't even know who the rest of those people are. I don't know. Earned it from Fifty Shades of Grey and Writings on the Wall from Spectre. Um, That is a not great uh, crop of songs. Um, I I don't even know like what else came out in this year that might have had an original song from it. But like, you don't don't want to look. You don't want to (laughs) know. Don't tell us. I mean, there were a lot of good movies in in this in this year, but um, it doesn't look like there was a Disney musical. You had Inside Out was the big Disney movie. You had the Shaun the Sheep movie. Um, but this was the year of Spotlight, Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, 
Mad Max Fury Road. Um, How did the, the Doof Revenant, song not make the it? Big that's, Short. That's an original yeah. Mad Max song. Doof on the flaming amp. <laughs> That should have been best original song. Yeah. <laughs> if only it had had lyrics. Junkie like, X, Junkie XL does great soundtracks too. That should have been anyway. Yeah, he does. And and the Hateful Eight was this year, um, oh. which was a great uh, a great score um, by Morricone, and which he won an Oscar you know, for. Yeah, and and the Force Awakens, which also had a, a pretty great score, which JB by some guy named John Williams, that dude, which was a Control F, <laughs> find and replace. I mean, all Not you just... do with John Williams is just take the first theme and oh, copy it over the top of it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I I, I, I I was setting up JB for the joke and he didn't take it, so I had no, to. Well, I, I all I hear is Jurassic Park with robots, so whatever. Oh, uh, but yeah, but I guess, I mean, not that many great, I mean, I guess I can see then why this won the, um, why this won the Oscar. Cause I don't lack of competition. Yeah. I can't think of any other ones. Just weird though, that this is, I don't Mark, you, you do not like this song or you no, do. I, like I'm not song? saying I hate it. It's just. I mean, there's, it's it's a nothing song, really. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the problem. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, it's not Madonna, but it's just it's just really not. It's just there. I'm like it's all like right. Jack White bad. If you ask no, me. dude, I'm gonna. Sorry, mm, God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand your Jack White. Jack White to Sam Smith. That's what we do. Control F use. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe though that this was the first time that a James Bond theme? went to number one on the British charts. I can't so. believe that. I thought Adele like, did that. That's crazy. Yeah. Why did Adele not do that? Why did why did Shirley Bassey not? Well, I guess I can understand why. I mean, who, were people really listening to Goldfinger on the radio in 1963? But, Probably. you know. Probably. That's so damn iconic, man. I don't know. Uh, Live and Let Die, I would have thought, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe did something. Yep, Skyfall. Um, Skyfall only hit number two. For your eyes only was on the radio like crazy. I remember that as a kid. Duran Duran, Vita oh, Kill. Vita Kill. Kill. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Other... Look at your computer box again. You got something wrong. That's what. Uh, that is what the Wikipedia is telling me. Yeah. Control that... F. Your well, well. You know what? As a librarian, I'm gonna have to have a word with you about Wikipedia. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> you have just offended me, sir. <laughs> well, it but it it does say it was the first the first James Bond theme to reach Skyfall number one was in the UK number chart. two on the singles chart, tied with "View to a Kill" as the highest charting Bond song. "Broken When Riding on the Wall" debuted at number one. I can't believe that. That's just ridiculous. Well, it's it's crazy because so about the same time as I alluded to earlier a lot of places started changing how they were measuring uh, how things chart. And they started including digital downloads and digital streaming. That's Ah, uh, there you go. And That's so because there's such a huge rush right when it comes out, um, I mean, it was the same thing like Drake had like seven songs in the top 10 at once when his album came out like about the same time. What, 
whatever the album was that Hotline Bling was on, there were like, he did this crazy thing. He had seven songs in the top 10 at once. And it's just like, well, nobody will ever do that again. Except, no, it's totally possible that someone could do that again. Oh, heck yeah. We'll just re-release all the Beatles albums. Well, or, well, I don't know. I mean, but you'd have to get everybody streaming them at once with the curiosity of like, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that would be, I think that would be difficult. I think that, it, but it's still possible is, is the point. Anyway, Sam Smith, boring. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty boring. Nice, nice sum up. Well done. We're going to distill that last it's 10 minutes. It's a song. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a song. I it's here's me landing on a couch. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sam. <laughs> okay, do we like the couch gag or do we hate the couch this, gag? This movie has lots of little gags that I actually enjoyed, and that's the men that I like. like. There are yeah. some really clever, like the whole smoothie thing. You throw it in the toilet and cut out the middleman. Like those kinds of that, jokes that are funny. always really entertaining, right? So that's I do. I like I like the the clever pieces of this movie. There's some that are too much, but m- overall I thought I like some of the silly. I think this here. movie revealed that money penny doesn't think James Bond is that good of a lover because she obviously had sex with him in a previous movie because they had that scene in, in that hotel room where he's undressing her. And in this movie keeps saying that, but it, well, yeah. And in this movie, she's like, yeah, bro, I'm not going to sleep with you. It's not going to happen. Oh, bye. And she's got another dude. And she's got another dude. So I think maybe James Bond's sexual prowess isn't as what it's been built up to be. Or Money Penny just knows knows what she wants, and she knows James is never gonna. I mean, she's, she's already gonna had him. And, pine for him. She's already had him, and she wasn't impressed. That's the impression I get. I'm gonna roll with that. That works. You can keep that head cannon. That's cool. Well, let's or, let's, let's put it out to the people. Let's put a poll. <laughs> well, that that came out so wrong. Did let's create a did uh <laughs> did, did Money Penny and Bond Bone? Let's bone dance guy. around. Let's dance around this poll, guys. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, Andy, the thing I miss most that I really wanted, and we talked about this, I want Hillebrand as its own movie. That's what I wanted in part two when they go to the the safe. Yeah, house. that see, Mark, that's what I wanted. I wanted that whole subterfuge. The three side character, well, the four side yeah. characters who are so fantastic. I wanted a whole lot more spotlight on that because that whole subterfuge, them all with different skill sets working together, that would have been such a great pull for a second Bond film. And that's that's the one disappointment I have from the studio notes. I mean, we talked about most of them already, but my studio note would be pull those four people out and do another movie with them, almost like driving a film you know, they, as side characters, because they're great. They are still world building, y'all. Like, be patient. This is like when Mission Impossible brought in Simon Pegg, and then they brought in Jeremy Renner, and now they have a team. You know, that's the Mission Impossible team. Now you expect them all in every movie from here on out till they all die. That, that's what's happening in this movie. Like, you start seeing how resourceful M is, and how Q is being brought into the fold even deeper than what he was before. And you have, what's his name? Rory K- uh, Kinnear's character. Rory was, Kinnear, yeah. I forget his character. Like, he's being brought in. Tanner. To the, Tanner. Tanner. That's he's Tanner. Being, it, why do I always forget his name? But he's being, uh, not, he's like now officially part of this particular team. 
And I think we're just going to see them coalesce a lot more in the future films, or at least I hope so. That's what wait, I'm wait till wait till no time to die is Thunderball yeah. three. <laughs> if it's and Thunder- then we're all like, come on, no more Thunderball. If, no, no, if it's, if it's Moonraker, I'm just gonna walk out. I'm gonna be done with this. But I, I think that's what they're building towards, though. I hope so. Me and too. again, I worry I'm putting way too much hopes and expectations on that film, and I'm gonna talk myself into disliking another movie because. I've I've decided it should have been X Y and Z rather than rather than what I'm getting. And we'll leave so that to I'm, the Timothy Dalton movies. <laughs> I like those movies. Anyway, uh, we, I was surprised yeah. by the second one though that I ended up liking it on second because of the semi stunts. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> like the I mean, as long Denicio. as there's the Cold War, they're going to be fine. Did you know, Mark? I I read this this morning. Do you know that Monica? Um, cat red for a uh, different Bond part twenty years ago. Really? For what Do you role? Want to know who her part went to? Who? Is it Fomka? Terry Hatcher. Ah! Oh. Which, when you oh, read that, wow. you go, "Oh, I would have so okay. preferred that." Oh my god! She would have been really great in that. And I, she oh, would have elevated that movie. Let me see if I can find the Pierce quote. Hang on. God, that would have been so awesome. Monica is a ravishing beauty, a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. She screen tested to be a Bond girl a while back, and the fools said no. Terry stole the day instead. Terry Hatcher. Mm. Ruined that movie. (laughs) No, No, I'm pretty sure that movie was already. It was was pretty bad. (laughs) The the plot ruined the movie. I'm sorry, Pierce, but But after GoldenEye, you're just, oh well. Well, and that, and those are essentially my hopes for No Time to Die is that Rami Malek is like he's he's got the the like smarmy tech bro stuff from Tomorrow Never Dies, but he's playing the same game that Blofeld and Hot Priest were, and it's all and so it's like a it's them mixed with like. Mr. Mark Robot. Zuckerberg. Yeah, he's Mr. I, Robot. I hope he's uh, Silva 2.0. I'm really hoping he's Silva 2.0. Yeah. I love so, the lethality of Silva. I hope he brings that with him. Yeah. I mean, I, we can we can only hope. That, I hope he um, just hits him under a chair. Oh, damn, no. <laughs> no. No more of that. <laughs> that whole scene where he was drilling him through the head, I, yeah. I said, oh, Bond's fine because he's not getting hit in the jewels with the... <laughs> No, no, I like, I, ugh, that, that looks so painful. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Andy was impressed. Uh, <laughs> Andy's no, like, sorry. oh, no more Spectre. Andy's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, needles yeah, to the brain. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to yeah. sleep. You should take a nap. <laughs> Andy's like, get back to me when nuts are being cracked by rope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. Um anyway, any anything else or should we should we start talking about our normal Okay, stuff? so I want to I want Andy to you to clear up something here. So this movie made 880 million dollars worldwide, but yes. I read something that said the studio only ended up netting like 20 million out of all of that. Well, I mean again, you know, this is this is what but I was talking it, about last. I mean, it was it was even more than episode. the marketing budget. There there was also like a sub profit that had to go somewhere else, or probably, 
Yeah. There's more why. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you take the budget, you double the budget, and that's the marketing budget. And so that's $900,000 is what this probably made uh, or what they probably spent on this movie all in. Um, then, you know, if there were sub budgets that people had to get paid back first, maybe there were people who invested money in that 300 million that had some sort of like superior position to what the studio got. Um, I didn't look at, at all of the like executive producers or anything, but usually if like oh, someone's yeah. like, oh, I'll put in 35 million, but then I get the first cut of the profits or whatever. Yeah. So Sony and MGM split the product costing funding 50 50. MGM takes 75% of profit, not getting a distribution fee on top of that. Um, franchise producers and the estate get first dollar gross positions. Then Craig, Daniel Craig gets a little bit. So the mm -hmm. net profit for both MGM and Sony was 98 million. Mm -hmm. Then split from there. Yeah. Sounds about right. And then there's exchange issues. Um, all that kind of stuff. So in reality, they end up making, you know, 25 to 30 million. Wow. Isn't that crazy that 880 million goes poof? Like yeah. a giant desert hideaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's also, you know, Hollywood is also notorious for terrible accounting where they will try to hide how much a movie actually made so they don't have to pay people as much. Uh, as you may remember from long-standing disagreements between New Line Cinema and Peter Jackson about uh, where they essentially lied to him about how much money they'd made off of Lord of the Rings for a long, long, long time. And he's like, come on, guys. This made way more than you're saying. And yeah, then finally they had it. And they had to eventually pay up. But yeah. so, you know, all of this is speculative but um but yeah this it's it's funny that this movie was such a massive success but like on paper most people were like yeah we kind of came out kind of even steven yeah just which, is, which is crazy interesting yeah yeah um should i talk about the box office or do we want to do sure. other sure i mean no, do box we, office. we sort of um we, I mean, we're already in it. Uh, the domestic box office was only two hundred million, uh, which adjusted for inflation is only two hundred and sixteen. So really, kind of a modest hit in in the U.S., but it made a ton overseas, six hundred and seventy nine million. Um, and and again, a lot of that Britain, but there was you know a big international following for James Bond. So uh, which is part of the reason why I'm sure um, they decided that regardless of whether American cinemas were going to be open this fall or not, they went ahead and said, we're pretty confident that we can do this in like October, November of 2021. So, because um, I think they know that like the American box office is just 
it's a smaller part of their revenue stream and they don't right. have to worry about it. And that is interesting and telling. Um, these movies might not be being made for us. <laughs> not we're for just, us Americans. We're just a kite dancing in a, a hurricane. Yeah, a global <laughs> hurricane, yep. guys. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the studio notes already. Uh, who's who's got some more? What are some other? What are some other studio notes? The, the only things I would change, honestly, would be the ending. Um, I'd, I'd need a more cohesive ending or something that doesn't look like it was just rushed and put together. No, here's the ending. Blofeld flies away in the helicopter. Exactly. I'd be yeah, I'd be okay with that because you know he's gonna break out in the next movie or two. That's, yeah, that's just what's gonna happen. And he's just, just out there. Yeah. Or if you're going to bring down the helicopter, not with a pistol, please. Like, don't insult my intelligence. Yeah, it's an MI6 boat. Give him a sniper rifle or some piece yeah. of cool tech in there. You sir. would think an MI6 boat would have, like, a heat-seeking missile. the rifle from, like, that was the cool rifle, the one that he had in the desert. Take right. that with you. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That's the legit. Yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that rifle could, could blow up the entire buildings. layer. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that that would be my one of my major studio notes. Uh, one that uh, I don't know if you guys would agree with is that uh, don't kill Andrew Scott. Like, yeah, I I understood that the showdown between him and M. Uh, uh, I, I get that, but I don't feel that it was necessary to have him killed. Like I don't. It, you could use him and build build something with him in a future movie. Well, yeah, but now he's dead. So, well, and that's that two movie arc that would have been so much nicer is he gets to build more character in a second. Right. One. Right. And so, I can't remember if I said it on this podcast or if I said it elsewhere to y'all, but I was like, wait, did hot priest die at the end of this movie? I, I can't yeah, remember. You, you, I, I remember. couldn't remember. Yeah. Which uh, I think is the fault of this movie that like, well, the some reason of those salient details just don't stick. Well, the reason it didn't Weird. stick was that I, I guess we were all expecting something bigger from him, and we just he dies. So okay, that's that's done he just with. falls off a railing, yeah. you know. Yeah, so I, I would definitely change that. So those are the two major changes, and then rethink the desert thing. Like you, you don't have to blow up the whole goddamn layer. I would definitely change that. But those are the three things I would change. I loved everything else. I don't care what y'all say about. The 13 minute sequence at the opening. Oh my I gosh. loved it. I don't care. Ugh, fast forward. So <laughs> I think this movie had a lot of the tropes, you know, Andy, we talk about that kind of annoy us. Like, I love that you, your, your best supporting rodent comment when the, <laughs> here's the problem find the handle, stop breaking through walls to get into the secret room. If the dude didn't have to get break through the wall to get into a secret room, you don't have to break through the room, right? My he was other, drunk. I mean, yeah, probably. My, no, he my, was. He was my huge big pet peeve is when you set up a bad guy to be like, oh, he's in bed with your lover. He's in your bank account. He's everywhere, right? And then, no, the dude sent a car to pick you up. So he's not, he's not super scary, right? Like, if you have easy access to a bad guy, don't set him up as this, you know, multi-headed demon beast that can do everything that that's one of those tropes that really annoys me and i know it's a bond trope but just don't talk up the villain so much if he's just gonna pick you up 
in a train, you know, from a train car. That that kind of thing always annoys me. All right. We sent a Rolls Royce for you because again, super extra. This, yeah. And not only do we have outfits for you in your room, we found specific emotionally triggering photographs from your past that that we've placed in here for you that conveniently the audience happened to have seen in the right. last 30 That was Blofeld saying, we saw you coming a long time but that's ago. But what it's so I, I, like Mr. So extra, though. He's but, so extra. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. Have you met Blofeld? Have you Mr. met White him? Is terrified of this dude. He's hiding out. He's keeping his daughter safe. And he's like, this dude is the scariest dude ever. No, he's not. He has boots for you. Matching boots. <laughs> Right? He's not that scary because he's got boots hey, and he can't dodge a watch. Right. Anyway, that's and then my my other trope that I don't like is always the suicide of a character that that really doesn't need to like what does some of those things always I know they're made for movie emphasis, but like it doesn't serve the plot. There were some of those things that I just go, yeah, anyway. But yeah, the big studio note I, I think Andy for me is make it two movies really flesh out the two different parts and give us two really interesting movies. Cause I think they're there. And and again, Mark, to your point, the movie turned out fine. It was, it's an enjoyable watch. There's lots of cool stuff going on, but it would have been really cool to have a whole Hillebrand, you know, big government tech versus hey. small government tech kind of movie. And, and again, maybe we get that the next one. I hope we do. Um, but it would have sure been cool. Yeah. So, Mark, any other studio notes or? No, those were it. I, I, I like the movie quite a bit. And uh, this is what the third, fourth time I saw it. And every time I see it, I like it even more. Um, but like you said, Andy, I think this is causing me to set up expectations, even though I don't want to. I'm not normally that dude. But it's it's causing me to set expectations. And I hope, I hope that um, I don't get let down with the uh, no time to die. Yeah. All right, Andy, give us the, I know you took a bunch. Give us your leftover studio notes. I want to hear what else you've got left. Oh, I don't, I thought we talked about more of them. More Bellucci. Mm. Um, no Sam Smith. <laughs> um, I mean, the two movies one is really the best. Um, oh, and it, uh one other thing, I, I do want to, like, give a shout-out to the cinematographer here, Hoytier Van Hoytema, mm. um, who, if if it's not Roger Deakins who shot something and it looks really cool, it's probably Hoytema, um, who is a very frequent collaborator with uh, Nolan. He did Dunkirk. He did Interstellar. Um, and he, they wanted Nolan for this movie, too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And he did Tenet that just came out and Ad Astra. Uh, he also did um, he's um, he's from I think he's Dutch, Dutch Finnish, but he did the original Let the Right One In. That was sort of his big breakthrough yeah. movie. Um, but he's done he's done a lot of other. Good, oh, he he did her. So he worked with Spike Jones. Um you know, very always interesting. And that's why you get like the cool 
tracking shots and the big explosions and it looks great um keep him i mean it, like in my mind every movie should be a roger deakins movie but um he's i'll, I'll take him if deakins isn't available so deakins is genius um, yeah he's he's pretty amazing so um i think that's i think that's it cool oh um more q yes yeah, i mean yes to to jb's point about like i really wanted the sort of hildebrand uh spin-off thing again if you have two movies and it becomes about hot priest versus fines um as sort of an old school versus new school thing then you you can give q a lot to do in there and ben Weeshaw gets like you know a chance to really do something cool with that role right i i could have i could have used more of that uh, definitely way uh, more q uh speaking of more q best tech or gadgets in this movie Drillhead machine. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love a drillhead machine? <laughs> well, it's so precise. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't get the model number, but drillhead machine is my favorite. <laughs> um, I I don't know, Mark. What's yours? I mean, I adore. I adore how Q shows 007 the car and and 007 is getting a heart on. He's like, well, you get this watch. <laughs> the car's for 009. And the watch, it's pretty cool for the, the setup for what's going to happen. I mean, it, that was pretty cool. It's not the greatest form of tech, but the low-tech thing sometimes does save the day. And I, I kind of like that. Although I do really like that car where nothing functioned. That car was... That car chase scene was a lot of fun. And that was really cool. And you got all the visual gags of giant Batista little car. <laughs> um, you do love a giant Batista little car, Joe. Yeah. That's yeah, like I said, this movie had a lot of gags. And you know, I I, I was uh I was okay with that. Oh, they um, worked. They really worked. Batista's yeah. thumbnails would were pretty good tech. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, the, the Jaws thumbnails. Wow. I liked him again in a two movie thing. Hinks could have been a much more like bigger character. And I, I just, Batista is so good. And it feels like, like thinking about all of the other, like awesome James Bond sidekick roles, even if they didn't have a lot of lines, Hinks doesn't stick out as being iconic. And he, he could have been and he should have been. Yeah. Well, we don't know that he's dead. Well, we don't know that he's dead. That's true. I mean, um, so that leads me to my favorite tech or gadget, which is uh, beer kegs on rope. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> nice. Excellent choice. That was awesome. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was good. I, Nothing I like a little pale ale to send you through the night, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, if we get more Batista, that's great. Um, best one-liners or quotes? My favorite is the one JB already mentioned. Uh, Same. You're just a kite. Uh, what, what was the direct uh, quote? 
You're kite, kite dancing in a, in a kite. hurricane, Mr. Bond. And then yeah. he offs himself. But Hinks' last words, oh shit. <laughs> or awesome. I loved it. Yeah. So that's mine. That's mine as well. I like the, uh, I love the who sent you, who are you working for um, to the mouse. That was, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, there's all, all of Blofeld's lines are, are entertaining. Um, I mean, just to see how his lines talk to his psychology, um, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the speech he gives while he's drill head facing bond, all those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I like all of that kind of stuff, but they're definitely not funny. Yeah. Yeah. Best side characters. Ooh. Man. I mean, Q is always the. I I was suspicious when they um, recast Q, but gosh, he's great. He's he, he really great. is. Yeah. Um, the way he brain. escapes the henchmen. Oh yeah, <laughs> he 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 uses brain not brawn. He's a total opposite of, of Bond. Just absolutely brilliant. I love seeing Q involved in the whole in that whole clandestine world instead of just being in the lab. Uh, like uh, Desmond Llewellyn uh, was, which he was great for what what he was doing. But I just love seeing Q involved with everything. It's absolutely brilliant. So he would probably be my favorite. But uh, I really yeah. like Andrew Scott here, guys. I just wish he had one. I wish he hadn't had died. Yeah. Um, but I really like his role. Yeah, but uh, I'd have to go with Q. I feel like this. I mean, Andy, did you get like, I feel like there's not a ton of characters comparatively. No. I I mean, really, you think about it. There's what? 12 major characters in this. It's a fairly small, um, you know, group. So even to your point, Mark, even the smaller side characters are fairly valuable. Yeah. So I don't know, Andy, who's got your pick? Uh, Q is mine, so yeah. Yeah, we're all on the Although, same page. Although, runner up with with Hot Priest because yeah. I mean, because I I want to watch him in everything, but uh, like I said, that's the that's the part of the movie that tickles my brain, and I'm disappointed because I wish I wish there were more of it and it fit in better. But like that final that fi- they keep trying to do it, they keep trying to put him and Fines together. And they have these little tete-a-tetes and there's this verbal sparring and it works once at the end with like great chemistry and it's awesome. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah. Why don't we have more of that? And um, yeah. I did like awkward, nerdy uh, desert um, liaison oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> you will find matching boots in your or whatever is <laughs> champagne. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, a good, a good runner up for best sidekick would be money penny. Cause she was actually really good in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. She is pretty great. Um, how, how goes the Poseidon theory in this movie? Good. If you're near a fountain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Bond got supercharged by that fountain with Bellucci. Yeah. Hello, Monica. Yeah. Thanks for the fountain. Yeah. 
Uh, not much water here, right? Uh, that and the canal that he crashed his car into. Well, and then they're on the boat at the end. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that's why he was able to shoot down the helicopter. Okay, that's why he was able to shoot down the helicopter. <laughs> he was on the Thames. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. Now it makes I mean, sense. I feel like there's water, like, interspersed, right? So. Well, when they when uh, Tanner is taking Bond to headquarters, uh, they're on the Thames and they go underwater. Yeah. And then there's not much more after that. No water on the train, which is why Bautista almost kicked his trash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's water in, in those kegs. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was water in all of the natural gas. Um, <laughs> water slash thorium. That's why everything blew up and kept it. But, well, yeah, because it's all it was all green out there. So there must have been some water around that, uh, you know, they were doing something. Yeah, I feel like Poseidon's uh, alive and well. Especially the yeah. end, end scene. All right. Okay, here's the final question. Is this a good James Bond movie? Is this a yes. bad James Bond movie? Good James Bond movie. I mean, it's not a great James Bond movie, but at yeah. Mark's point, there's only a few great, you know, Casino Royale, Skyfall of the Craig era. Those are your great Bond movies. I think watching it again, this is a, this is a very good bond movie i think i think what the parts where it tries to do what we want it to do it does okay right it doesn't miss steps it just doesn't flex them as much as i want it right like the blowfeld thing the family thing is there is it as much as i wanted no right the conspiracy right. thing is it there yeah should it have been no but you know we get a little hillebrand so it's like uh what is it on imdb like six and a half Hmm. Wow, that's, that's low. A good question. Yeah. That is pretty low. Um Yeah, six point eight. Yeah, it's a wow. seven to me. Yeah. I I don't know if I'd go that far. It's like a seven. seven and a half. Yeah. That that's where that. that's where yeah. I'm at. Which is which is a good that's like you know, the the gentleman six, gentleman seven seven. That's um if you fast forward the theme song, I'll give you closer to seven and a half. <laughs> Leave the theme song. It's <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at uh, 63% from critics and 61% from audiences. Yeah, so how does Rotten Tomatoes know? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you, but, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's a yeah. So it's a it's a. So it's it's not a bad Bond no. movie. It's a good Bond movie, but it's yeah. It's not it's not great. I think it's Again, a very good. Bond and movie. I think it's and I think okay. to, I think to Mark's point, the difficulty with all the Daniel Craig films, and I said this with Quantum, and I'll say this with Spectre, if you take Daniel Craig out of it and you make it anybody else's movie, it's a better movie because it's not tied in to the great movie that was before it. Right. Hmm. Like if Quantum of Solace has, I don't know, uh, Jai Courtney in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, that's just horrible. Uh, Let's yes. just no, give it you, like Jude Law or something. Yeah. If you stand it on its own and you don't have it as a Bond film per se, it's a good it's a it's an entertaining 
film, right? And I feel the same way about Spectre. It's it's very entertaining if I take out the context and like we talked about yesterday, if I take out the Skyfall context and I just watch this movie the way it's filmed, I have a good time watching this film. There's lots of fun stuff happening, right? There's sexy people. There's beautiful cinematography. Mm-hmm. There's terrific Thomas Newman score, right? So there's lots mm-hmm. of stuff to like about this if I don't go, but come on. Skyfall was right before this. Yeah. And that to Mark's point, I think that's that's where I have to be more fair and go, you know, in the context of the Craig universe, it's a good Bond film. If it wasn't a Bond film, it, it might be a higher rank. If yeah. If Jai yeah. Courtney ever becomes Bond, I will burn the UK. I will burn the UK. Like seriously. They will never let that happen. He I, can barely be Captain Boomerang. Ex- London will five fall. With all of them. That's what we need is like, an Expendables 5 with Kinnaman and Jai like, Do you hear me, NSA? I know you guys are listening. London will fall. Which, by the way, was a great trilogy I forgot to put in. No, wait. Oh, I Man. love those movies. I, oh, Olympus my God. Those movies are so stupid. Oh, that's, so that's why I love them. They're the best. So Talk stupid. about a trilogy that does not take itself seriously. There's that. Oh. Okay. So when, when he goes in to, to save the president and uh, he's with the army people, he's like, uh, how many people they have? They have like maybe uh, they, they have like twenty people. They should have brought a hundred. Yeah, I love it. I love that. That's so Gerard stupid. That's it's like Butler oh my I god. Love. No, I and really, if you watch the Channing Tatum one and then you watch the Gerard Butler, you'll be really glad they made the Gerard Butler ones because the Channing Tatum, whatever that president saving one, is horrible. Yeah, I have no interest in that. I barely had well, interest in Gerard Butler. Here's here's the problem. I mean. Here's why all these places keep falling. Gerard Butler keeps showing up and chewing all of the scenery and buildings down. Of course they're going to fall. The guy munches on the scenery with everything. It's wonderful. This is my favorite part of this podcast so far. Bag on Gerard Butler moment. Gerard Butler. Stop chewing on the scenery. That dude, uh, man. That dude had the three hundred, and then everything fell apart after that. And the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, man. oh yeah, I forgot about that. Do you remember his Phantom of the Opera? I forgot about that one. <laughs> what My was daughter loves that movie. What was wow. the one where pre- uh, preacher with the machine gun? Machine gun preacher. Oh yeah, that was another one where I was like, oh, oh man, he needs- hobo with a shotgun. Hobo with no. a shotgun. No, no, that was one. a that different was- one. No. Yeah, I know, I know which one you're talking about. The that was Rooker Hauer. Um, hang on, let's see. Oh, Gods of Egypt. You can't pass them in that. that oh was, my gosh, that that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Machine gun, machine gun preacher. You know what? We should have recommended that for uh, yours, mine, theirs. We, <laughs> Gods of Egypt. Oh, <laughs> wait, no. Uh, well, I mean, it's, is it too late? Let's do this. <laughs> It's Greek mythology, not Egyptian ah, mythology. I true. don't think we could do it. I mean, but, but I hate that movie. That is, oh, it's that terrible. might be the worst studio film I saw in the entire 2010. If uh, if you look at if you that. look at Gerard Butler's 66 films, I will give him this. He has 66. Wow, 66 films. I thought I he had like 15 in his I will, I will give him this. Whoever his agent is said this is your move don't stray from it and you will be successful and i'll be damned if all these movies he is not right on point with what he's with his shtick 
right? I mean, listen to these movies, Hunter Killer, Geostorm, right? London has fallen, Gods of Egypt, playing for kids. I mean, all of these movies, he was great in How to Train Your Dragon. He's Yeah, he's great in the How to Train Your Dragon movies. That's true. And I'll give him that. Uh, But yeah. Yeah, I take it back. Gods of Egypt is not quite as bad as the other Gerard Butler movie I saw that is terrible. Den of Thieves. Oh, you did never not saw that one. That. I did see that. Oh, I never man. saw that one, and I thank you for that. I never will. That's the the thing about being a movie critic is we have to see the bad movies so you don't have to. That's the one with Fifty Cent in it. It got Fifty Cent in it. Fifty. Yeah. yeah. I want that you to movie know that. Is I want you to know that Olympus Has Fallen is has about the same IMDb rating as Spectre. That's some so. bullshit right there. <laughs> That's some major bullshit. Wow. Take that. Those movies are <laughs> wow. horrible. And you know it's all those Trumpers watching those movies because they think that they are they are Gerard Butler. Oh man, I love Just let those jurors come to the US of A. I, I got a shotgun movie. for them. Angel Has Fallen was, was a little weak, but it did have Morgan Freeman. They're all stupid. Good, They're all stupid. But Morgan they know how to. A, a they know how to stop. They're like an hour and a half, so they know. Kudos <laughs> to them. They yeah. know how to turn it off. Well, they run out of. They run out of film, and they run out of scenery. They can't. They can't <laughs> keep Gerard <laughs> Butler. In, you know? We want a two and a half hour movie, but Gerard Butler blew up everything. He was super hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that guy anyway, um, okay. Final question: Is James Bond a good person in this movie? According to Madeline, uh, uh, what's her name? I'm already Swan. Madeline Swan. Swan. Yeah. Uh, yes. Stop looking is. at me, Swan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think I think he is. He's he's doing all the right things. I mean, the big ethical question is: Is it ever okay to kill? I mean, mm-hmm. that that's been the, the ethical question to Bond, and you know, and to government in general. But I think this movie proves that you know it's many times it's necessary. And he's, well, and he's acting outside his command structure for a lot of this. Right. So right. it's he, like... He's doing everything for the right reasons. Yeah. So I think he is a good guy here. I think he is. Um, he, it's Which is interesting. Yeah. So. I mean, blindly following a VHS tape to do what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, so let's say he kills this guy and he was wrong. Because M sent him on a wrong goose chase. I mean, is he a good guy for blindly following her lead? I think in the end he seems like a good guy because it all pans out, right? He blows up a giant thing in the desert, loses a moon rock, right? Everything's <laughs> fine. But I think I think that's what we keep coming back to is he is a tool, right? A mm-hmm. blunt instrument, I believe, or whatever blunt they said. Instrument. Yeah. And are blunt instruments ever anything other than what they were designed to do? Um, and Mark, to your point, is it ethical to be, you know, do you want someone to be thinking for themselves ethically when you need them to be a blunt instrument? Um, but I think I really like, and you brought this up earlier, I really like how they set it up to where the people who think they're better than him because they sit behind a desk and view surveillance all the time turn out not to be any better than them. So no one at the end is better or worse than the other person, right? And I think that's that's a really valuable point is that, you know, he, he is in, in what he's doing. I think he's trying to do the right thing, um, which, which is, which is good. It's he's growing every movie getting better and better. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and, and doesn't chew up any scenery like that. <laughs> Gerard <laughs> Butler. <twat. laughs> yeah. Thanks, Daniel Craig. Uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking of scenery chewing uh, next week, um, we get a little bit of James McAvoy doing some, well, maybe not chewing scenery, but he, he is bathing in the river of ham. Uh, oh, in, uh, Atomic Blonde. I'm really looking he forward is, to this. <laughs> he is, he's pretty over the top. It's a lot of fun. Most of the people in this movie are pretty over the top. It's a lot of fun. We need um, to, is that streaming? Because I want to watch it with you too, because I will be honest. The first time I watched it, tiny bit bored. It's on wow. HBO Max, right? Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay, so let's I, watch I, it. I, I think we can do a watch part of it. Let's watch it. Again, it wasn't necessarily because of the movie. It's like I told you. It's because I thought it was going to be John Wick. And as you both know, not a lot of stopping in John Wick. It's right. pretty much kick you in the it's face. Just and go, 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 go. And yeah. Atomic Bond is more, to Andy's point, Cold War-y. Yeah, a little, yeah. lot more plot, a lot more development. So yeah. I have to admit I went in and I was a little, oh, there's talking. Sad. Um, so I would. I, I think I it's a – my take on it is it's a female James Bond movie with John Wick style uh, hand fighting yes. in like two or three places. Yes. That's that's what it is. But that's it's not. But Wick is all killer, no filler. This is a lot of moodiness and broodiness and people double crossing each other. And yeah. uh, so. It's, it's a solid plot movie. So yeah. I, I like Very I think if someone had said this is Charlize Theron as James Bond. I probably would have had a different stance when I went in to watch it because I would have expected a lot more espionage and a lot less throat kicking. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that's it. Um, cool. And yeah. OK. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll we'll see you next week for Atomic Blonde. Uh Go check out yours, mine, and theirs for um, Mark last week and me coming up um, for my three movies. Did you this decide? Week. Did you decide on your uh, third mythology movie? I I did, but I'm not gonna say it here yet because uh, this will this will oh, this come out. Before. This will come out before they get theirs out. Right. So it's right. get him to the Greek. Congratulations, everyone. You get <laughs> get <him> to the <laughs> Featuring Greek God, Aldous snow. Um, <laughs> yeah. the Greek. Nice. <laughs> no, shoot. What's that? Russell brand. Sorry. The character's yeah. name is, is, uh, yeah. Aldous. That's snow. what I talk about scene chewer. Holy crap. Slow down. Yeah. That's, slow that's some down. scene chewing right there. Oh, he's terrible. Great. A scene chewing. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye, everybody. you leave me? Don't turn off this podcast. That's number one in Britain. Number one. <laughs> Why? Big kiss, everybody. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. 
This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.